John Lyle, SNB Drilling. Well, we tracked him down. The guy seems to be traveling all over the Bakken and into the Powder River, and who knows, maybe the DJ too as well. John Lyle, SNB Drilling. How are you doing today, sir? Doing pretty well. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Uh, now, your cell phone number is from Texas, but you're from Williston. I heard you mention you were just in Casper. Uh, how much do you travel? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'm all over the place. I, it certainly seems like it, man. You're one of the hardest guys, hardest working guys out there. You must be if you're moving all over the place. So your uh, S&B drilling, tell me about that quick before we get into some of the meat of the interview. Yeah, so S&B is a uh, helical pier installation company. Uh, we service oil and gas primarily. We're definitely reaching into other energy sectors currently, but uh, oil and gas has always been our forte just because of the history behind our ownership, which is myself and my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. We all come from the uh, drilling side in oil and gas ourselves. And uh, primarily, are you based in um, the Bakken? Are you are you uh, in other shale plays? Just, I, I I, I guess for me, I'm based out of the Bakken, so a lot of times, you know, I see Williston, and of course, that's right away what I what, what I can relate to. But Texas, you know, Permian, Midland, all these different things. And then you mentioned Casper, of course, familiar with that as well. Just are you guys in a lot of different shale plays, or are you just kind of isolated to a certain area? Uh, yeah. So when we first started out, we broke out up here in the Bakken, and that's actually where I currently live myself. But uh few years ago i'd say about two years ago we went ahead and expanded into midland uh we actually had a client uh, reach out to us said they weren't getting the service that they were hoping to get from a current service provider down there and they specifically asked for us to come down and help them so we uh, we actually just packed up truck and trailer drove down to midland worked out of a hotel for a little while until uh we got ourselves established kind of gained traction and then we opened up shops so we've been down there now for a year and a half two years um moved some of our leadership team down there and uh we've since grown and uh something comparable happened with us i'd say in the last year in the powder river where we had somebody reach out to us again very comparable scenario where they said hey we're just not getting the service that we were hoping to get uh you come recommended and we we went out there we did a job they called us back and and now we've done work so much for them that uh it just made sense to start shop there. So last week, actually, we just got our feet wet, went down there, met people, built the relationships, or at least started them, uh, did some playing around in the Powder River and then also in the DJ, but we're opening up out of Casper. So we'll have three locations as well established here by the end of the year. Oh, great. That seems to be a reoccurring theme I've heard in the last year. You know, we're getting into year in review interviews. One of the reasons why you're on the program is to talk about what your specific uh, – from your world, what you think is the top story for the year, energy trend or issue, if you will. But in terms of just having quality service seems to be a reoccurring theme, meaning that there's companies reaching out to other companies that are dis- dissatisfied with uh, their current, you know, whatever it might be. I've, I, I've heard it in several different, um, you know, sub subcategories, sub-niche industries within the oil and gas sector. And your story is another one of those that would validate that. It certainly seems that if you can put together some honest hard work and you're not overselling and under-delivering, you, you, you can find your way out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we uh, we commonly run into a scenario where 
one of our competitors is uh, so large that they do a lot of things cookie cutter, so to speak. Things will be over-engineered or uh, some corners may be cut, and uh, that's where we have the luxury of making sure that that attention to detail and different concepts are brought to the table. We're able to provide a little better customer service, in my opinion, because we're a little smaller. We've grown organically, and uh, we've definitely brought those core values into our team. Uh, one of the biggest things that we do that we we do with every single employee that we bring on board is we go over, even during the interview process, our core values and see how an individual responds to uh, our mentioning core values and the culture within our company. And uh, we definitely assess everybody that we bring on our team based off of that. We use it for hiring, firing, coaching, promoting, and, and everything across the board is core values. Well, did you say what the core values were, or is that is that a trade secret, like the Colonel's recipe? Or no, no, it's uh, definitely not a trade secret. Uh, we uh, we've got uh, focused on quality is definitely number one, and and you know we we put these things in order. Uh, not to say that one is is any more important than the other, but basically uh, to kind of come around to what I'm trying to say here is when you're focused on quality, obviously other things will follow. So if you're focused on quality, you're committed to your community, you're uh, uh, obviously going to have safety incorporated in there, so then you get safety. So when we bring everything together, it all kind of works its way up in a, uh, a ladder fashion. So we've got, uh, we care, focused on quality, uh, professionalism. We are uh, stewards of our community. When we first kind of dubbed that, uh, we had said we were committed to the community, but then we went back around and kind of searched for that right word and we found that stewards of our community is definitely something that um, we strive for for instance my brother-in-law Clayton Carmack who uh, established his company with me back in 2015 he's our uh, president and he's just recently been uh, voted to the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners um, uh, treasurer position is on the board of directors and then I also serve with the Williston Area Chamber of Commerce on the board of directors there. So we definitely try to make sure we're involved in the community, giving back, getting our face out there and, and giving back to everybody. And then the very last thing is safety. So it's not to say that it's less important than any of the others, but if we're doing everything else right, safety is going to be involved. You mentioned you're active with the Williston Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the airport you got an update on that or uh, maybe maybe share some insight from some of your meetings on what the airport is supposed to do i mean it's a phenomenal uh construction project remodel project they moved the airport didn't they across town so the the airport actually was pretty cool um i happened to just by mere happenstance fly on the very last commercial flight to ever fly into slewland field and uh when i got off the plane uh the mayor uh, was actually standing there waiting for us to come off of the plane deep board and he was handing out coins so i got a nice little memento for the last commercial flight flying into that airport um thanks to my wife actually kelsey she was uh, highly involved in a community related project for the airport where snb held a, a contest in the williston community for local artists or aspiring artists to bring art to the table and uh ultimately what we had done was we sponsored the children's play area inside the airport and with that came the opportunity to provide a piece of art of our liking so uh, instead of just going out and purchasing a piece of art we said let's make this a fun deal for 
the community to get involved with. And, and Kelsey was just huge in this deal. She went, took the ball and ran with it. Um, she came up with paperwork and, and all of these things, made a legitimate, she worked with the art community, um, came up with legitimate rules uh, based off of what other communities had done in the past and, and influence from the local art community. Worked with the director of the air, airport, Anthony Dudas, and uh, several others over there. Um, we got some really good entries, and then we put together a judging panel made up of members of the community and uh, ended up ultimately selecting two pieces because we had some really good candidates. It was so hard to make that decision. And uh, they just posted that art the other day right there by uh, Gate 4 inside the new airport. So we went to the grand opening of the airport. They did a flyover. It's a great event. Had several community leaders. We had a senator there. Um, did a full walkthrough. There's a new little restaurant upstairs, the refinery. They had great food, great staff, really good people. And uh, overall, you know, it's just nice to have those jet bridges, not have to get off of a plane, slipping and sliding downstairs anymore, and, and walking off of a nice warm plane out into negative temperatures things like that i've already flown out of the airport several times and uh overall just a really nice project that everybody came together and, and made successful are the do you know if the energy executives are taking advantage of that um i do know that you know i mean you, that, obviously you probably can only a answer you know anecdotally i'm sure you don't have specific stats on something like that no, I don't have any specific stats, but I can say that, uh, you know, just based off of all of the uh, responses from the leadership at the airport themselves, I think from the outside looking in, anybody can see that the uh, the amount of flights, the travel that's going through there is uh, definitely increasing. There's been a need for it for years, and even now I, uh, they're seeing an increase to the point that they had to bring in larger planes. So, uh, for instance, this evening, my family were flying down on Dallas, and uh, we've never had the opportunity to fly first class out of Williston before. It's just never been an opportunity to have a plane large enough to provide a first class um, service. So, uh, just by happenstance, we ended up getting bumped up to first class, and now the kids and I and, and Kelsey are flying out first class this evening out of Williston Airport. That's cool. First class. I love first class. That's... um. I've been fortunate enough to fly that a couple times, and I'll tell you what, that is a night and day experience. Exactly. <laughs> it's Especially like, with kids. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's so tough to go back. It's so tough. And there's a reason you pay a lot more. You know, there is. Oh, yeah. I, I totally understand it, and I stick up for first class all the time when people start dogging on I'm like, oh, no, it's it's definitely worth it. Um, so, and I, like I said, it's only been a couple times for me, so it's not like I'm flying and prof profiling and rick flaring so all right what do we got coming up oh i wanted to ask you too about um some of the activity in williston you know we have watford city on quite a bit and that's kind of you know noted as the heart williston used to be the heart and probably still is the heart for a lot of different people it just hasn't you know taken the standpoint of that lately so i'd love an update oh by the way the permian uh, the new airport down in New Mexico, they just opened up United a couple uh, months ago in, in Lee County, New Mexico, and they're getting more 
inbound flights than outbound flights, which is a good sign for at least some some energy activity. So wanted to transition just kind of your eyeballs and maybe even from a chamber standpoint, how, how's the energy activity and, you know, maybe the Halliburton's of the world, how are they doing around town? And are you still seeing white trucks? Yeah, I mean, I'm still seeing trucks around. I think the traffic's definitely gone down a little bit. But then again, you know, look at the rig count and uh, anybody can see that that's expected. Um, Infrastructure-wise, I definitely see an increase on that infrastructure. Uh, Of course, within a year, the budgets have all kind of uh, dwindled down to a halting point for the end of the year. And uh, We've got plenty of proposals out and uh, plenty of projects awarded going into the new year. So we're pretty excited at uh, quarter one. Things are looking pretty good for the industry here. And then as far as the city itself, uh, my outlook as a member of the uh, Chamber of Commerce is uh, actually pretty optimistic. It's looking really well. We just held our annual um, uh, membership drive recently here about two or three weeks ago. Um, I wasn't able to participate as much as I would have liked due to a family emergency, but things went really well there. We ended up with quite a few new members and... uh, ended up meeting some pretty good goals that we had set for ourselves. So what's next for you guys? You mentioned Casper, Wyoming. That's got to be pretty exciting. So a couple years ago, you opened up, by the way, John Lyle, S&B Drilling with us. Great story. Organic growth surrounded by some core values. Uh, Williston, North Dakota, the Bakken, sprouted down to Texas and then now into Wyoming, that's a heck of a triangle you got going, and everybody in between as well. So uh, you mentioned Casper, Wyoming, is your guys' next kind of focus. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So how how, do, how are you going to balance that? You know, I mean, you're going, you know, you, you got some geography, man. Yeah, uh, that was a huge, huge um, obstacle for our leadership team, and particularly with our vice president, Tim Miller, who's kind of leading our uh, executive team in the right direction and keeping us focused. Um, it was a, a definitely a big obstacle for him to help us achieve being able to keep our focus and not lose our path. And, and I think the way that we've done that is by continuing to wear many hats at the very top. Uh, we hold ourselves accountable. We hold each other accountable very well at the top. And as long as we've got good members or uh, management in place at those other districts, which we do really have good management there, what we're doing is as the executive team taking ourselves and putting ourselves into operational roles that we typically would not be in to help grow the company organically, help get a better feel or a pulse for that community and uh, for the work that we're going to be doing in that area. And one thing that I've noticed is Casper is very much uh, comparable to Williston where everybody knows everybody. And the majority of the people that I've been introduced to are local Whereas you go to Midland and it seems like more people are from out of town. There's not as many locals that uh, have stayed there and grown in the community as I've seen in Casper and in Williston. So it's, it's pretty unique. It's, it's a really good environment. Wanted to ask you one more question before we circle back to S&B drilling. Uh, Permian and the Bakken. So I had a very interesting conversation last week with Joel Brown of Mineral Tracker. He's pretty active with Watford City's leadership. And he he brought up something that I've, I've kind of noticed as well, that the Bakken early on for the first probably, I don't know, five years, they really talked about it being a test, a test market and all these – you know, I mean, we had Chinese companies fracking and French co- French companies and German, and we had different, 
you know, service companies coming over trying to figure out how we were doing different things. And that's what I thought it was for the test market. And then, of course, you saw the layering in of the uh, ERC, Grand Forks Environmental Research, and now they got iPipe and they got all these just kind of innovative things happening, you know, and you can't do innovation without, you know, research and development and test markets and things like that. But then we started talking about how the private sector and the public sector were working together and they kind of really carved their own path in North Dakota. We're starting to notice a little bit of that down in the Permian. You're down there a little bit. Are you seeing a little bit of that to where some of the Bakken's, I guess, um, uh, shale play engineering is starting to show its uh, a template down there in the Permian, maybe with some public-private partnerships or maybe how the uh, industry works more with the community. Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about, or is that not – are we just kind of in our own world on that one? No, I've definitely noticed. Um, in fact, one thing that I mentioned recently with the Chamber of Commerce just in particular – is uh, the community, you know, we look at our largest contributors to our economy up here in North Dakota. And, and, you know, I keep coming back to North Dakota. Uh, It's just because it's where home is. But uh, North Dakota in particular, our largest contributors are oil and gas and then then, uh, followed by agriculture. And within the Chamber of Commerce, you know, we've got uh, Agricultural Committee and and, uh, we've always been uh, advocates for, for agriculture. And that's something that I've definitely been trying to uh, bring to the table as a board member is a little more focus on oil and gas and our relationship with oil and gas in the community. Um, So that's uh, just one avenue that we're approaching um, as members of the community is building a relationship with oil and gas members and and having some oil and gas related events as a uh, leader in our community. It's definitely important that we, we keep those good relations with all of our uh, um, major economic contributors. Talk to me about SMB drilling. Uh, circle back to how, how you guys are involved in the energy industry. You kind of gave yourself a little bit of a plug early on, but now go a little bit step further and talk about you know how you guys are servicing the oil and gas industry. And you know who who's your customer, by the way. Uh, so our customer is going to be anybody uh, really midstream, upstream operators, general contractors uh, tend to be more of our forte. Uh, what we do is helical piers. Some folks call them screw piles. Um, the way that I try to describe it is uh, most folks are pretty familiar with a driven pile that's beaten into the ground. What we do is a helical pier, so it's screwed into the ground. And then there's a direct correlation between the torque that you achieve when you're torquing it in and its compressive capabilities. And we use them anywhere in oil and gas, uh, primarily, where there's uh, uh, compromised topsoils, where you're going to have erosion due to high winds or maybe flash flooding, such as out there in that Midland, uh, Delaware, and Permian Basin area. Or uh, even up here where we've got expansive clays and then we've also got the frost heaving and uh, the settling after the thaw. So that's what we do is we get down into those good load-bearing soils and then transfer those loads down deep into the soil content so it's not affected by your um, compromised topsoil. So what part of the process do you come in? And what I mean by that, are you more on the proactive side, the reactive side, the you know, you mentioned midstream, upstream, salmon streams. So, you know, and so, some of these guys that, you know, are involved with spills, they're more on the reactive side, of course. So, 
So what we're finding is this is actually, and what I try to explain to everybody during that education part of our sales process is we're not a new technology. It's just an innovative technique that we're bringing on board to oil and gas. You go back six, seven years ago in the Bakken, and this was unheard of. Um, now you'd be hard-pressed to find a facility that is being built where helical piers aren't incorporated into the design. So it's very much gone from being reactive where we were saving guys production time by doing remedial work uh, and turning itself into this proactive measure that a lot of operators are taking on and incorporating in their designs so they don't have to do remedial work later for those same reasons. Uh, there's definitely been learning involved to get us to this stage. And I'm finding that that's where things are really um, with the mentality of the market down in Casper, for instance, in the Powder River Basin. We've done some work there. We've done work in the DJ Basin. And one thing that we're finding is uh, – just through my conversations last week, having gotten my feet wet in the market, is a lot of operators are just not using them yet, but they're finding it pretty intriguing. They're going, man, you know, I'd love you to come in, talk to my team. Let's do a lunch and learn. Let's let's uh, bring more of my team on board, uh, finding more guys that are looking for ways to uh, ultimately save money. You're going to end up paying a little bit up front for that proactive measure, but when you're talking about the longevity of a well or a, uh, a production facility, and you get into saving so much in production time by not having to stand down for remedial work, then uh, that's where we come in on that proactive side. So I, I see us doing both um, as we enter new markets. Uh, the Powder River here, we're going to be doing quite a bit of remedial work, helping guys out, fix problems that they've had, helping identify those problems, and then ultimately turning it into a proactive measure on their future projects. I've heard that story time and time again in the past probably year and a half to where uh, a lot of companies got snake bit by trying to save a few bucks. And in, instead of if they would have paid a little bit more on the upfront um, and, and saw the long-term savings, you know, a lot of times when people are being reactive or trying to slash budgets, they, they don't necessarily look at the 12-month picture or the 18-month picture. And um, I, I can see where I, I've been hearing it more and more. I've just in the last year and a half, honest to God, that's been the, probably the number one theme behind why people have gotten new business in other parts uh, of different shale plays and that sort of thing. Is it and that your story kind of kind of validated that once again? Um, is that did I summarize that okay? As I was kind of stumbling over my own words there. <laughs> no, you hit the nail right on the head. I had the uh, benefit of sitting in a meeting. I had a uh, engineer friend of mine facilitate a meeting between myself and an operator. And uh, that operator, the representative they had there in our meeting, mentioned that uh, they were looking for ways to save money on their facility builds by outsourcing their engineering. And, um, you know, you go back a couple years ago, I probably would have been nervous at that statement as a sales guy for my particular uh, niche market. But I jumped right at the opportunity and I said, well, you know, we can also save you money. You're going to spend some money, but it's going to save you in the long run. And instantly the guy was just like, well, tell me more, you know, and uh, we had it, it turned into a very long conversation. Uh, excuse me. It went really well. And uh, now I've been invited back to meet with the rest of his team. So um, more and more folks are, are seeing that spend a little now. You're going to save a lot later. It's, it's a, a short term pain for a long term gain for sure. So seeing 2019 as the year kind of wraps up, uh, you know, people have talked about the rig count, Ripple, 
The rig counts down. I just, in fact, while we were talking, I saw a news story come across that a Houston steel plant is closing. So there's another sign of the rig count ripple. But we've had people talk about the California wildfires. We've had people talk about um, some of the new regulations, the legalese, if you will, that have come in. Kind of from your perspective, where, where, what have you been tracking for the top story, the top issue, the trend of 2019 as we wrap up the year? You know, my uh, my perception is that, um, you know, right now, I don't think I'm telling anybody anything new by saying that oil and gas is definitely uh, weaning off a little bit at the end of the year. I think we just went through a, a small bust, so to speak, and uh, the rig count falling. But what I'm seeing is a lot more uh, legislation and a lot more um, decisions pushing into other energy sectors to be more reliant on that and less reliant on oil and gas, which is not always uh, – great to hear for our uh, sector so to speak but even ourselves are seeing this uh, transition uh, within the leadership on our uh, in, in smb here and what we're doing is we're not changing our focus but we're expanding or broadening our horizons so we're still very much focused on oil and gas and have great confidence in it but we're also looking at other areas to benefit ourselves because we're seeing growth in other energy sectors such as electricity and and wind and solar and all of these other things so um as more innovations brought to the table and many industries we're uh we're going to see where folks are, are growing and moving into other markets. Uh, I just saw a commercial this morning, uh, Exxon Mobil, for instance, is doing stuff with uh, algae, generating fuel using algae. So that's just a very small example of where even the oil and gas companies are somewhat changing their, or, or at least broadening their horizons and getting into other energy sectors, finding alternative ways to do things. So that's, uh, that's what I'm seeing as a trend is just uh, more innovative techniques, growth in other markets. And, and obviously as, people change their focus or or bring on other concepts um we're going to see fluctuation in other areas and that's all we're seeing right now um i think as as innovation is brought on board tech, new techniques are discovered in um extracting uh more oil and gas from our formations we'll definitely see another boom here on the horizon any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up here uh john lyle with smb drilling Anything? That's we, all in, I have yeah, I was gonna say anything we missed. Anything you want to reiterate? That sort of thing. Got a good chili recipe, you know. Final. I like to give people the, the final thought, so it's not a question framed by me. Because sometimes I don't phrase questions the best. Because you know, people don't realize this. I, I I don't prepare for these interviews. I just you know what? I write down the person's name and we just go from the cuff because uh, those to me are the best ways, the best interviews. That that way people talk about what they know and what they talk about. So anyway. Um, no, I yeah. appreciate it very much. Yeah, any uh, any final thoughts, or did we did we hit everything on the the head that you wanted to talk about today? No, I think we hit everything. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today.